Many years ago, there was a preacher called Vance Havner. I think he was associated with the Baptist Church, but he always had a lot of witty things to say. And he said about that song, you can't sing standing on the promises while you're sitting on the premises. So, <clears throat> something worth thinking about. For those that were not here this morning, maybe in a Sunday school class or elsewhere, we just started a series that will continue the next several weeks, actually four weeks, in the will of the Lord. Uh, and we're looking at the marks of spiritual maturity growing up in Christ, but we're looking at it from a specific angle as seen in the qualifications of elders and deacons. And we read those passages in, uh, that deal with that, the qualifications of elders in Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3 this morning, and we will, of course, refer to them tonight. And we said that marks of spiritual maturity are goals that provide us with a target. All believers should grow, and these qualifications should be the goal of every believer, not just elders and deacons. And by the way, I hope we didn't give the impression that just because we're looking at these qualifications of elders, that elders have arrived. They haven't, right? But we should all have a target to set our sights on, and they are given to us in those uh, uh, qualifications, marks of maturity. We reminded ourselves how we want to aim at something. The Apostle Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And ask ourselves, what are you aiming at? What am I aiming at? What are we all aiming at individually? Are we just looking to progress in our careers and to, to be the best uh, sportsman, to be the best typewriter, to be the best medical person, to be the best doctor, whatever it may be? Is that the goal that we have in our life or is it to be like the Savior who is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. That's what we should. I press toward the mark or the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And of course, no one other than the Lord Jesus himself ever hits that direct center of the bullseye. He is the perfect man, uh, as the scripture bears out, because he is God manifest in the flesh. He is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever, right on. He said, I do always those things that please the Father. And we certainly want to emulate that. That reminds me, I meant to refer this morning to, um, there, we, we have looked in the past at uh, some ministry on the judgment seat of Christ. And there is in, uh, in uh, various portions that is referred to. And before, uh, a verse or two before Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, he says this, that uh, we labor. This is before he says we must all appear. Every believer, right, every child of God will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that every one of us may receive the things done in the body according to that he had done, whether good or bad. But before he says that, he says this. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9, he says, Wherefore... We labor, whether present or absent, that we may be accepted of him. Now, that's what we, we read in the, uh, the, the word in the King James is accepted of him. But we understand you look at the margin, you look at other translations, it's well-pleasing to him. So there's a, this aspect in our lives as Christians, though every child of God is accepted in the beloved, we labor, right, to be acceptable or well-pleasing to him. It's, it's translated in another place, acceptable. Our standing and our service for the Lord Jesus. Every believer is accepted, but not all. 
acceptable, as it were, because we, there's going to be things done that are bad, right? According to that, he had done whether good or bad. So we want to labor to be well-pleasing. We talked about this morning the parallels between physical maturity and spiritual maturity, right? Physical maturity, uh, it's somewhat automatic. We just naturally, our bodies grow as long as we're fed and so forth and we're healthy. There's a natural aspect. But in the spiritual realm, I have to give effort. I have to labor. I have to aim. I have to give, uh, put effort into it. And again, we're not saving ourselves here. Not saving ourselves. We cannot be saved by our self-effort. We know that. The Word of God clearly teaches that. But we labor, the Scripture says, we make it, in fact, the, the, some have it, we make it our aim, right? That should be the aim of every child of God, to be well-pleasing, to be acceptable. It's, it's translated in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2, to prove what is that acceptable will of God. So we want to be acceptable. We want to be well-pleasing to Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, that is the goal. So why should all believers set their aim at such qualifications? Are all believers called to be elders? No. We want to stir. We've said that another thing we said here is this is to uh, not only to primarily to encourage spiritual maturity, but to get the, the, the brethren, especially the young brethren, to think about having this earnest desire. First Peter, uh, first Timothy, chapter three says there's this, this desire, this intense desire to take on this service uh, or take on this uh, matter of being a, an elder amongst the Lord's people, a shepherd a pastor amongst the people of God. Most all of the qualifications, and we're going to continue that this morning, most all should be found in all maturing believers. Sometimes we're tempted to say, well, that just applies to the pastor. That just applies to one that serves as an elder. No, not so. All of these, I think, we'll see, or the ones that we're going to look at at least, apply to every single child of God. Most all the qualifications should be there. And what happened to my slide there, Jason? Help us out. I think that was the last one, right, before we get in. Ah, yes, here we go. So this morning, we looked at the, the elders. The requirements for them are to feed, to shepherd the church of God. We looked at that, First Peter 5. Uh, they're called to shepherd or tend or pastor the people of God. And then we say, well, that's only for the elders. No, the same, very same word, shepherd or feed, is found in Jude chapter 1 and verse 12. There are those false teachers. It's a very negative quality that they only shepherd themselves. They serve themselves. They feed themselves. That is not what we want to do. We want to, as the word of God says, by love, serve one another. And then we also looked at uh, uh, one that is shepherding God's people should be able to handle the word of God, able to teach. Right? So he may able, be able to convict the, those that are gainsayers or rebellious. And we say, well, that's up to the, the preacher. That's up to the elder. That's up to the teacher. No. Every child of God should be able to handle the word of God to be able to direct a, a person, especially when it comes to false teaching. The society in which we live is chock full of false teaching, right? We get it from, from the cults. We get it from a false religion. It's spread all over the place, right? But we want to ably handle the word of God, and it's not just up to the, uh, past, to the elders, but when for the time, Hebrews 5.12, we're just briefly going over this because we did it this morning. Hebrews chapter 5 says, when for the time, you ought to be teachers. That's not talking about preachers or elders or pastors. It's talking about you, all of us as individuals. 
It's amazing what we give ourselves to. When I was younger, I think my main goal in life was to see the Miami Dolphins win a football team. And I lived and died for it. And there are many things in our life that that's what we, we aim at, we, 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 we grasp after. You know, we're controlled by them. Well, the Bible says what we should give ourselves to is we should lay hold on eternal life and be able to teach, be able to understand the Word of God so we will grow, grow, grow. And, and one thing before we leave this, we, we pointed it out this morning, but I think it's worth noting. The Word of God is just what it is. God speaking to us. How can I say I'm a believer? How can I say I'm a child of God if I do not have communication, right? If you have a spouse, if you have a family member with, with which you uh, love and appreciate their company, if there's no communication, there's no relationship, or it's very ill. And so there must be, there has to be, it's not, a, it's not a difficult pill to swallow. Oh no, it's time for the Bible. No, you don't say that when it's time to talk to your wife or to your friend, right, that you have, that you love and appreciate. No, you want a relationship with them. You want communication. You want interaction. And so we trust that that will be the portion of all of us as believers to desire the sincere milk of the word, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2. So that's where we ended this morning. We looked at Psalm 119 to encourage our hearts about the worth, the value of the word of God, and how uh, the, the word of God, the testimonies that are therein are, are the counselor of the, of the believer. And so that's where we ended this morning. So let's look at another few. Maybe we'll finish. Here's a good one. <clears throat> This is a qualification for those that would serve amongst the people of God as overseers. And we'd like to maybe expand on this a little bit. Titus chapter 1 verse 7. A bishop or an elder, by the way, if you have your Bible open to Titus 1, the word is the same there, uh, or they're synonymous, I should say, elders, bishop. Uh, and you can see that in other portions, but if you have the King James, it says a bishop. Uh, an elder must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed. We're taking the one there in the middle. Not soon angry. I don't know where the phrase came. I don't know all the history of it. But, you know, we have a, 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 an idiom in English language, you know, watch out for this guy because he flies off the handle. And what happens, right, when an axe head flies off the handle is it's rather abrupt, right, unexpected, and it does a lot of damage, right, when it does. If an axe head flies off, why, it's going to do a lot of damage. And that's exactly what happens when those, uh, that human uh, quality or ill quality comes up. But for the elder, for the one that would serve as a shepherd of God's people, not soon angry. Well, you say, well, that's only for the elders. Well, no. We could read in any number of portions, but we will choose just a couple of these in uh, James chapter 1. Here's what the Word of God says. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, notice it doesn't say, wherefore, my beloved elders... Wherefore, my beloved brethren, sisters, all of us as believers in the Lord Jesus, 
right? Let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We could go on in the uh, other portions there to, to, uh, for reference sake to see what the Bible has to say about this ill quality of being soon angry. Of course, the Proverbs is chock full of such things, of such references. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. And then if we went to the next chapter, or the next book of the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, we could see there the same thing borne out in regard to this matter of anger. We have in our society many that suffer or deal with anger management. But here's what the Word of God says. Be not hasty in your spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So we ask ourselves, is that something that I'm dealing with? Is that something that I have an issue with? That, that a, a, a word said, an act done, and all of a sudden we're flying off the handle, right? Here's what the Word of God says. Let everyone be swift to hear, slow to Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You remember if you look throughout the scripture, uh, one of the first, very, I think it's probably one of the very first times we read of this is, is uh, the, one of the sons of Adam, right? Cain. What did he do, right? When, when he saw that his uh, offering was not accepted by God, he was angry. And he was so angry that he slew his brother. And that's typically what happens, right? When, we, when, when this, this, this matter of anger, it wells up within us and it really a lot of selfish pride is what it is. And we're just going to give that person a piece of our mind because they deserve it, you know? And, and, and Cain, what? He did something ill, right? He slew his brother. Now we know the word of God says Cain was of that wicked one, right? Uh, in, in 1 John. So we need to beware of this. That if, it's, if any of us here tonight are dealing with this issue that we just look around and we have this intense anger about those that are around about us and I'm going to get even and I'm going to let them have it. We've got to beware. That is not a quality that should be in the heart of any of us as believers. Cain displayed it. Moses, the great man of God, right? You know, he said, shout, he'd already, God had only to already told him to smite the rock. The next time he said, speak to the rock. And Moses, he gets up and he says, you rebels. And he struck the rock, right? But because of that rock, that act, God, in his anger, Moses did that. God kept him out of the promised land. So we want to beware of these things. These are serious matters that human beings deal with, whether they're, whether, whatever walk of life. We need to recognize what the Word of God says. Why? The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We want to beware. Remember Naaman, you know, that Syrian, right? That he comes and he realizes that the cure for his leprosy was what, not what he had in mind. That's another thing. Sometimes we can be so bent in our mind about doing things a particular way, and somebody comes up with another way, and we're like Balaam. We want to take, you know, he's talked to his donkey. He says, if there was a sword in my hand, you donkey, I'd let you have it. 
What did the Lord do? He used the donkey. Opened his mouth to take some sense into Balaam. Right? And so we need to be aware that these issues, this issue is not a part and parcel of our life as believers. Uh, Naaman said, no, no, not for me. He was so angry he turned and went away in a rage because it was not what he thought it should be. So let's think about this. Elders not to be soon angry. But believers, all of us, these things should not be issues that we deal with. Right? And again, we know that it is, it crops up in the life of many of us. But we need to, first of all, acknowledge it. We need to confess. What does the confess mean? To agree. If I have that anger management issue in my experience, I need to confess it before the Lord. Right? Agree, Lord. It's it, I'm being selfish. I'm, I'm not honoring you with this, this, uh, this characteristic in my life. And I need to agree that it is sin. And the Spirit of God will help us to overcome this issue. So that's one of the uh, uh, qualities for believers that applies not only to elders, as all of these that we've mentioned so far do, but they imply their uh, uh, for requirements for the elders, but qualities for every child of God. Uh, now let's look at another one. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. There we read about those that serve the people of God. They should be displaying this in fact it's a it's a requirement right first Peter first Timothy I want to get those two mixed up first Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2 a bishop must be blameless the husband of one wife vigilant sober of good behavior given to hospitality and then the other one Titus just over in the next one Titus chapter 1 and verse 8 here he says it's the, the elder is to be given to hospitality. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 8, it puts it just a little differently. It says a lover of hospitality. A lover of hospitality. And you say, well, wait a minute. I know that's for the preacher. That's for the elder. That's for the pastor. My home, um, my home is my castle I do not share with anyone, right? Well, that should not be the case. The Word of God bears that out very, very plainly. It's not a quality just for elders, but it is to be uh, seen in every child of God. This is borne out again in a number of places, but listen to what the Word of God says. After describing the spiritual gifts in Hebrews in uh, Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writing says he uh, talks about a number of things that the believers should evidence in their lives rejoicing in hope patient tribulation continuing diligent in prayer distributing to the necessity of saints and given to hospitality given to hospitality now think about this let's 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 examine our own selves maybe some of us don't have places houses maybe there's different uh, 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 things that, that, that would inhibit you. We don't know all that. The Lord knows the heart. But what are you using your home for? What am I using my home for? Is it just merely as Job said? Job said in a, in a, in, in, uh, when he was 
uh, before the Lord and, and uh, working through that issue that the Lord brought about him. He said, if I have eaten my morsel myself alone, something to that effect. In other words, if I have just kept my food and my house to myself, may I be separated, as it were, from the Lord. That was something that he did not do. He was known for his hospitality. It's very well known in the Oriental uh, culture. But you and I, as believers here in America, we just sort of, it's, that's just not the way we operate, right? Our, my house is my castle. I don't, offer, I don't invite anybody in. But that's not what the scripture says. It's not a, necessarily a spiritual gift. It's something that all of us, as believers, should be given to. A lover of hospitality. The uh, writer of the Hebrews, uh, again, we could go there if we, if, if we wanted to, but he talks about those that have entertained angels unaware, right? When the servants of the Lord came, they didn't know who they were, it says, but they've entertained angels unaware. So uh, we, we need to watch out and to see who we can invite out into the highways and the byways, whatever it may take, you know, to be hospitable, not just hospitable, but a lover of hospitality. That was one of the things that the Lord Jesus is going to judge uh, people by at that, when he mentions it in the judgment of the sheep and the goats there in, in the end of Matthew, uh, the gospel by Matthew. Listen to what he says there when he's going over, to, speaking to those that were the sheep. This is what he says in Matthew 25. I was a stranger and you took me not in. And you clothed me not sick and in prison, and you visited me not. This is a serious matter, right? For us to make our mi casa su casa, we might say in, in Espanol. I'm trying to learn Spanish, by the way. But mi ca you, my house is your house, right? To open our homes. And we've had this of late, right? We have our, this is a practical aspect for the assembly, but we have a number of visiting missionaries and speakers coming through. Our guest house is full. But many of the saints here open their homes, right? Come on in. You're welcome. It's a good thing to be a lover of hospitality. It says given to hospitality. It is a pursuing practice. Some would have it practicing hospitality. Some would have it in that, like in that verse in, we looked at in Philippians, pressing, pressing, pursuing toward that mark. It's something that all of us are called upon to do. Do we fall short? Yes. But can we change? Tomorrow is a new day, right? I don't have to remain. Here's another thing we need to think about when it comes to these qualities. Sometimes I think in our life we get, we, we, we get to where it's something like status quo. We've leveled off in our Christian development. And we just want, we're happy to remain where we are. When it comes to issues like this, we say, well, he's gifted in hospitality. Oh, they got a gift in hospitality. Let them do it. No, that's not what the Word of God says. It's to you and to me, given, pursuing, practicing hospitality. It should be a lover of hospitality. So let's get that understood in our own minds that we want to do exactly what the Lord has called us to do, to be hospital, to be a lover of hospitality and see that believers and unbelievers, oftentimes our homes could be the birthing place for those that don't know the Savior. 
oftentimes at work we're, we're, we're interacting with 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 co-workers that aren't believers and we have a we you know we it's a certain I, I i think we're all familiar with this but it's an it's a, an acquaintance type of level but if you bother to say come on home for a meal that's different right when you invite a person in and there's that table top experience right where there's that interaction it changes the the relationship altogether. so let's think about that and all of us Take it serious before the Lord to follow this uh, exhortation in the scripture to be a lover of hospitality. Oh, I gave him all at once. Here's a good one. A good testimony to those that are outside the church. Here's a very important one. Now, of course, an elder, this is a very important matter. What it says, moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without. Let's ask this. If we were to go around, well, since we've already given it, it, it applies to every child of God in those verses there. If we were to go to your neighbor, if we were to go to your supervisor, what kind of employee, what kind of neighbor is Danny? What kind of report would we get from that neighbor or from that supervisor? Would we, would that person be pleasing to the Lord. Sometimes we get the impression that we're, we can behave one way when it comes to the people of God and another way when it comes to those that are outside the faith. But that's not what the scripture says, right? There should be a consistency across the board that as we're, we have a good testimony to those that are outside the church. They know by our dealings with them on a personal level that if they see us there in the neighborhood or if they see us here working amongst the people of God, there should be the same level of behavior. Not putting on our, you know, our Sunday best to impress, as if we are, impressing the Lord. No, no. Or impressing our fellow Christians. Look at me. I carry my Bible. I wear my tie. I do all of these things. I have my head covered. All of these things. But then out there, the attitude changes altogether. And so, yes, it is quite necessary. It is a qualification. It is a requirement for those that serve amongst the people of God excuse me, to have a good testimony toward them that are outside. But the Word of God goes on to say that this should apply to all believers in the Lord Jesus, all that profess to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Paul writing to the Thessalonians says that you may walk honestly toward them that are outside and that you may have lack of nothing. And then he, the writer uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, this, these words, he says this, Having your conduct honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be ashamed, or they may buy your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. If you have a King James, it says, having your conversation honest. Well, the word, I believe, is the same as our conduct, our behavior. But it is true that our conduct converses, 
right? If somebody's watching us, which most people are, we've had it, you probably had it personally, somebody's maybe listening to your words about believing the Word of God and the Bible and the Lord Jesus, but they're watching your conduct, it may be different. It may be different. We want to beware that we follow the steps of the Lord Jesus, having our conduct honest among the Gentiles. In other words, those that are outside, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may glorify God in the day of visitation. What a wonderful thing to follow this quality, to have it a consistency in our testimony. You know, what they tell me, um, let's start in the secular world. I, I, I don't have much any experience in this, but those that do the hiring in the secular world, what, one of the, the, uh, the, the means that they use to hire individuals is they go on their Facebook page. What kind of person is this that I'm hiring, right? They want to see. Now, I know when it comes to the aspect of Christian service, our dear brother up there that operates the summer camp, that's one of the first things he does. Somebody applies to serve at Camp Horizon, he's going on their Facebook page, right? To see, because you know what, well, you know what Facebook does, right? It turns us inside out because we, we just, all of a sudden, we, we're, we're just so free because nobody's sitting there. We just unload everything that's inside and we got to tell everybody how our shopping day is going and how I'm going to conduct business here and how I'm going to, uh, what kind of joke I, had, I laughed at. All this stuff. We just turn ourselves inside out for some reason or another on Facebook, right? I don't have it, but I mean, that's what I'm told. That's what, that's what goes on. And by the way, <clears throat> When I think of, uh, it's a kind of a side note, but when it comes to Facebook, every day the Bible, uh, not, not every day, there's a coming day when every individual is going to face the book. And it's not going to be this creation of Facebook that this guy's making millions off of. The books were opened and the dead were judged out of the things that are written in the book. They're going to face the book one day. We think we can get away with things. But, you know, I think what we have in our, in our highly technical societies, we're condemning ourselves. <laughs> we're condemning ourselves. We just, you could open up, you know, some people at work, they might smile and put on a good show. But you go look at their Facebook and see what they're talking about behind the people's backs, right? So beware. That's what, I don't know why it has that quality. You, all of, the, all of you that use it will know, but it's just somehow it turns us inside out and we see all of our thoughts and our hearts, our motives come out somehow. It happens. So how did we get onto that? But anyway, we should be testimonies before the Lord and, and have a good testimony toward them that are outside. So beware of this aspect that it's not just a requirement for elders or shepherds, but it's a quality that should be in every child of God to have a good testimony toward those that we work with, towards that we live, toward those that we live next to. It will be consistent. And, and can others see Jesus in me? What, wasn't there one that wrote that song years ago? Can others see Jesus in me? Right? When I walk into the lunchroom, when I walk into the neighbor's house, say, can you come look and fix my faucet, whatever, do they see, is, am I properly representing the Lord Jesus when I come into their presence? Or are they seeing some inconsistent, negative, foul-mouthed individual? We, we need to beware how we conduct ourselves toward them that are outside. And then I think this is, we have at least one more. 
Oh, here's a good one. First Timothy 3.3. 3. Some of these are closely linked with each other, but they are mentioned separately in the Word of God. First Timothy 3.3. 3. An elder that is called to serve amongst the people of God, if it is a true saying, if a man desires, aspires, has a deep desire to, to the office of a bishop or an overseer or of an elder, one of the qualities, one of the requirements is in verse number three, that he should be not a brawler, it says in King James, in the New King James it says not quarrelsome. So many times we may not be that physically, but in our speech, we're always looking to pick a fight, always looking to catch somebody in their words and we're gonna let them have it. Watch it, the Bible says not to be quarrelsome. And it applies to all believers. The servant of the Lord must be gentle. It says in 2 Timothy 2.24, apt to teach, patient, must not strive, must not quarrel. The servant of the Lord, not the elder, not the pastor, not the preacher. The servant of the Lord. All of us as child, children of God. Yes, he's writing to Timothy here. But the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Our natural reaction before others is we're going to not go along with what they say. We want to we fight about it. But the Word of God, it's especially like in Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, it talks about forbearing one another, being gentle. Let your moderation, let your gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. You know, often in life we want to just fight for ourselves. But the Bible says, let your gentleness, let your moderation, let your peaceableness be known unto all men because the Lord is there to fight for you if it need be. The Lord is at hand. I don't have to stand up for myself. The Lord will take up. If somebody says something that crosses me or as we, where'd we hear it the other night? Sandpaper brothers or sisters, right? We need to beware that that doesn't rub us the wrong way. And we fly off the handle. We just want to make a fight. Well, the word of God is very clear on that. The servant of the Lord must be gentle, must not be, must not quarrel, but be gentle unto all men. Now I want to close. I think that's, I think that's our last one. Let me make sure because we had a number. Oh, let, let's let's. Well, I'll close with the other thought later. Let's let's close, let's close with this one. This is a good one. Not greedy for money. That's a, that's a requirement for elders, Titus 1.7. Not given to filthy lucre. But it says, for every child of God, the same thing. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. They that will be, they that desire, 
They that want to be rich will fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So this aspect is to be in every child of God, not desiring to be rich, right? Now, I know when it comes to things like gambling and lottery, that's a sensitive subject with many believers. But my understanding here of the Word of God, it's not those that are rich, those that desire, those that want to be rich, will fall into temptation and a snare. Oftentimes we say, you know, when I'm going to try to put the right numbers together, or those that do, I should say, those that try to put the right numbers together so they could have a little more, I'll use it for good things. I'll give to the Lord. I'll have more to give. Well, what are you giving now, we might ask. What am I giving now? But the, 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 the idea here is for the, for the elder, for the one that would serve amongst the people of God, not greedy for filthy lucre, but every child of God is not to be a lover of money. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after. There's the idea the again of desiring. It's not just that I have it, but I want to have it, and I want to have it for myself, for some reason or another. We have this mistaken notion in life that that's going to make us happy. Those that desire, those that want to be rich. So these are just a few that we looked at today that I trust will be of help to us as in our walk with the Lord. That not just requirements for elders, but qualities that should be in the walk and the lifestyle of every believer, every child of God. I just wanted to say as we close, back to that uh, matter of quarrelsome, and we'll close with this. But I know that the scripture, there's, there's, a, there's a balance here. The scripture talks about earnestly contending for the faith. And oftentimes, I remember once uh, I was rather embarrassed uh, <clears throat> speaking with a co-worker who was a Christian and we were on some particular subject in the Word of God and we were going back and forth with it and getting a little uh, excited about it maybe but I remember a, a non-believer coming up and calling attention to this fact it, what, what is this? Christians arguing over the Bible? What's, what's going on here? And I remember this uh, brother wasn't in our particular meeting, of course. He was a, in, in another uh, church fellowship. But we were just, I thought it was just a friendly discussion, but it was taken wrong. But the Bible does talk about earnestly contending for the faith. But it does, you know, it also says not to be quarrelsome. So I need, we need to examine ourselves. When he says it's possible, when he says not that we should contend for the faith, we can contend without being contentious, right? Without being quarrelsome right we can disagree without being disagreeable right and we can judge without being judgmental so there's there's there's, there's a balance here that we want to uh, rightly divide the word of truth without being divisive right we want to we want to hold to the truth but we want to not be quarrelsome 
as we go about being contending for the faith. So just think about that as we close, that all of these aspects are very important. They're, they're requirements for the uh, those that would serve as shepherds or overseers in the congregation of the people of God. And know this, this is a very serious thing, and we'll, I, I'm sorry I keep saying we'll close, but we'll close with this, that, that the elders... This is a very solemn verse when I think of this. The elders are going to give an account to the chief shepherd. We read that in 1 Timothy and 1 Peter 5. But listen to this verse. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they must give account. Well, watch this. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. I don't know, profess to have all the understanding of that verse, but it's serious business, right? That yes, elders are going to give an account to the chief shepherd for their work amongst the people of God because they're his sheep. The good shepherd loved his sheep and gave his life for the sheep. But it says this, that they may do it with joy. There's an aspect which with all the saints of God have to do with this, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So it... I think it ties it together here. We want to display as children of God all of these qualities and many more. We didn't look at them all, uh, of course, tonight. And we trust in the ensuing weeks to look at them. But we want to try to display all of these characteristics in our lives. Because elders are not only going to give an account for themselves and for their work amongst the people of God, but they're going to give an account for those that they served. And they want to do it with joy. And it won't be unprofitable for you. This, these are serious matters dealing with eternity. And we want to, to lay hold on eternal life and get a hold of the fact that we only have this one opportunity in these few brief years to serve and love our Lord Jesus. And one day we're going to give an account to Him. We're going to stand before Him. No second chance, right? The Bible is very serious when it talks about reward. And that work's going to be passed through the fire and have nothing to show for it. So we want to be careful in our lives to take serious the things of God. Take serious these qualities that should be characteristic of all of us as believers. Because we're going to give an account and we want to please the one who saved us and called us to himself. I think that's unanimous amongst all of us as believers. So maybe we can just close our meeting in a word of prayer. Our Father, we're thankful this evening, this day, for the privilege to look into the word of God and to consider afresh. This is not new, this is not new ground for most of us, but to consider afresh these characteristics, these requirements for those that would serve the people of God, but yet realizing at the same time there are marks of maturity and should be found in all of us as believers. And we know that we're all works in progress. We're aspiring, we're attempting to apprehend that for which we were apprehended. So help us to this end, we pray, O oh God, our Father. May we not grieve or quench the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us, but may these qualities be borne out in our life as we seek to give back to the Lord what he has given to us, to love the one that loved us and gave himself for us. We pray in his own most precious name. Amen.